sunlight hurts my eyes And something without warning love Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's alright with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be Welcome to WNHHFM 103.5 Just-In-Time Conversations. I'm your host, Justin Farmer. Uh, inviting you to be in community with us about conversations, ideas that matter with people making a difference. Today, our guest is Elizabeth Hayes and Sue McDonald. Thank y'all so much for coming on to the show. How are y'all? I'm well. Thanks for having us. I'm well. Hey, uh, I always love to, you know, uh, start the show uh, with something light and so you know what's your favorite thing about spring well yesterday I cut a whole lot of daffodils hey. from my garden and put them into vases throughout the house and just having fresh flowers that grow outdoors is wonderful hey. I am delighted because I'm able to get out and about in the natural environment hey. and just just meditate do whatever i feel like doing not that that i i am enjoying the weather although uh it's a little temperamental so i i can't wait until the weather decides whether it's going to be cold or it's going to be warm but i i can't wait for uh it to settle down um so you know I, I asked y'all to come on here to talk about uh, Six Lakes or, or Olin Powder Farm, but I guess my first question to y'all is, you know, how did you get involved with this coalition, uh, the Six Lakes Coalition, and what is it? Well, I've, I'm newer to it than Elizabeth. I learned about it through Connect. Um, congregations organized for New Connecticut hey. and my uh, congregation congregation Mishkan Israel uh, is a member of Connect and had a informational session actually about housing uh, a little over two years ago and um, at a session that I went to of an organization called Spring Forward uh, Elizabeth and you Justin were guest speakers and that's how I learned about the fact that we have this uh, over 100 acres of beautiful wooded wetland in South Hamden and that it's fenced off and unavailable to the public. So that motivated me to get involved. That's how we connected, pun mm -hmm. intended. Miss mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hayes? Well, um, it's been a little indirect for me. Mm. Um, with Six Lakes. I really didn't know Six Lakes 
exists or the powder farm, uh, what it was once called. Um, being an advocate for the community uh, in terms of the contamination cleanup and also have had a um, relationship with the Save the Sound through mm -hmm. uh, Kurt Johnson uh, and uh, working with Kurt on different um, projects. And one being, I worked, he worked with me on a project at uh, NOAA at the time. Mm. And I got involved, well, he uh, was one of the authors of several papers that I wrote, abstracts, uh, the presentation that I'd done you know, at NOAA. So uh, Kurt was a co-author on one of the papers. So from there, he invited me to get more involved with Save the Sound uh, through, um, through the community. And then from there, uh, he introduced me to Six Lakes and asked me to be a part of the um, committee. So what is the goal of this committee of people? Like what... The goal, the, go the goal of the committee is to make sure or ensure that the restoration of Six Lakes is complete. Mm. And restoration, I mean, uh, there been some dumping of contaminants onto the area of Six Lakes. And we are now in the process of, through DEET, make sure that, that those contaminants are, are removed from the area and it will become usable again. Mm. So that is the ultimate goal. It could be used for open space or for any um, passive or active recreation. Okay. And, and for those of y'all who don't know, DEEP is Department of Energy and Environment Protection. They're the state agency in charge of uh, these type of things. Um, and so I, I guess, you know, just the who, what, when's, um, where is this property? <laughs> it's in southern Hamden, and it's, as I mentioned before, a little over 100 acres. And you can see it if you uh, drive on Putnam Avenue between uh, Whitney and Dixwell, or if you uh, walk a ride on the Farmington Canal Trail between uh, Putnam and Treadwell. If you drive along Treadwell Street to Leader Hill Road, and then if you drive down Leader Hill Road, it's behind the Whitney Center and the various schools and businesses that are located on that road. So it's, it basically takes up um, almost all of the space bounded by those four roads ex except for 
the places where there are buildings. So there are buildings, obviously, on um, Dixwell Avenue and on Leader Hill Road. But otherwise, it's actually pretty easy to get a glimpse of it if you are willing to go up and look through the fence. <laughs> I, I know that uh, you can see it from the behind the old uh, Stop and Shop, which is now Lincoln Tech. Um, I think the, the other day I passed by, I saw a swan. And I was just like, oh, there's a swamp. <laughs> um, how long has this property been, you know, closed off to the public? We were actually just talking about that. And it's for as long as I can remember, although I've only lived in Hamden for 20 years. so, <laughs> But I know it's longer than that. Um, you know, the land was originally acquired in the late 1800s by Winchester which manufactured guns and ammunition. Mm. And they were taken over by Olin Corporation in uh, the early 30s in the Depression. And the spa the sp it's called the Olin Powder Farm because it was used as a storage location for gunpowder, oh. uh, which was what they used in the ammunition up until about the early 50s when one of the Olins invented something that made it, that was much... Um, less volatile in terms of storage. And so it stopped being used to, um, uh, to store gunpowder then. But I presume that the entire time that it was being owned by this company and being used for industrial purposes, it had to have, I would expect it would have been fenced off and not open to the public because it's been private property the entire time. And so, Miss Hayes, when did you learn about the powder farm Um, <coughs> I think in the early um, 2000, maybe mm -hmm. around 2001, that's when I learned about the Olin Potter Farm because there were talk of um, a place where there were a s large amount of contaminants of an area right off from uh, Putnam Avenue that needed to be cleaned up for open space. And, uh, but at the time, the community had learned also, well, a little before then, that there were contaminants in the community near the old middle school, the Michael J. Whalen Middle School. And it was determined by DEEP and the, um, the Attorney General that the uh, community took precedent over um, the powder farm. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say that was around uh, 2000 when that happened. Yeah. Well, but before that, you knew nothing of I knew nothing of the powder farm. I saw the area because I'd lived in the area for almost 10 years by that time, uh, 10, 15 years. And, uh, but I saw the place fenced off, but I had no idea what was behind the fences, you know. Wow. Um, didn't have any um, information on what was there. I know there was a farm right across the uh, entryway to to the powder farm, but I had no idea what was behind the fences. I did not. Wow. That, that's, that's some time, so a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time, yes. For those of y'all who are just joining us, you're listening to Just In Time Conversations, WNHHFM 103.5. I'm your host, Justin Farmer. Our 
guest today, Sue McDonald, Elizabeth Hayes, uh, talking about the Olin Powder Farm. Um, you know, so you mentioned, you know, there's contamination. Um, you know, it there was a decision that the community came before this piece of land, um, which I think makes sense. Um, but who's responsible for, you know, the cleanup of the property? Um, I think y'all said Olin owns the property, but who, who has to clean up the property? Um, the Olin Corporation is responsible for the cleanup of the property. Mm. However, deep the Department of Envi uh, of um, Energy and Environmental Protection is the regulator, so they will ensure that Olin cleans up the property to to um, the specification um, following the use of the, what the final use of the property will be. Mm. So I would say Olin is responsible and Deep is the regulator to ensure that it does get cleaned up properly. And, and so, you know, what this property has been sitting for sometime let's say a little bit before me <laughs> um you know what's the process to clean this up well in the mid 80s after you know the environmental movement had resulted you know decade or two before then in things e like earth day and the epa being established and the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act, uh, there was a lot more attention paid to identifying contaminated industrial sites and um, evaluating the extent of the contamination. This was the era when Superfund was created by Congress to uh, pay for the costs of cleaning up some, I think particularly if they're abandoned industrial sites. So there was a period in the mid-80s where EPA came and did some evaluation of this site along with many other sites in Connecticut uh, and worked with and through DEEP, which at that time was simply the Department of Environmental Protection, to um, enforce new regulations. And so as a result of all of that, there was a consent order in that was initially signed in 1986, modified slightly, and went into effect in April of 1987, um, documenting DEEP's responsibility to clean up the uh, areas that had, to clean up the site, um, identifying a number of the particular areas of great concern, which mm -hmm. get treated in the all the documents about this as areas of concern, <laughs> and um, and gave some deadlines. And Deep uh, oversaw and worked with Olin to do some cleanup of the most obvious and worst things, like big drums of chemicals and spills of various things. And there's an area that had a lot of battery being dumped so a lot of that kind of cleanup and I what I'm telling you I know from having read the documentation and the deep files about these things um, 
and then by the early 90s it kind of petered out mm. and um, so some of the work that needs to be done is to keep Deep's feet to the fire so that Deep will keep Olin's feet to the fire and um, within the last few years um, partly through the efforts of the coalition we've um, made some progress in that uh, in that effort. There's still a lot to be done. And so, you know that that's the process. Um, generally, how uh, Mrs. Generally, based off of the conversations you've had, you know, how how do you feel about? The prospect of this property. The prospect of it being cleaned up, of it being, you know, potentially whole again. I feel very optimistic. I think that the team that has been um, put together through Save the Sound, uh, Connect and other sponsors community i think we have a a very good um, um group of people who have the knowledge and i think the will to make sure to ensure that this property um, gets cleaned up um mm. it's been <laughs> in the beginning it was kind of slow we didn't gel that well together. I don't know for what reason, um, but I think we have a good strategy, mm. and um, it just need to be um, uh, carried out. And I think if everyone understand their role and what it is that they can do, what it is that they um, have the uh, knowledge, their knowledge base, and, and I think it it will, I think it will get restored. And and working with Deep, and the town, and other stakeholders in the community, plus the community itself, um, I think we we will get it done. We will get it done. Yeah. No, I I, yeah, I, I'm hoping so. I know the, uh, uh, my gosh, it, it's been about two years now um connect held a form a mayoral candidate form and all the mayoral candidates talked about um um the the powder farm uh remember peter sear calling it the lungs of hamden right um and and so it is has there been support from local government about this project about this prospect uh, yes, they all of those candidates said that they were in favor of um, getting it cleaned up and move forward. Um, but and I should say, um, we have um, uh, accomplished a few things in terms of engaging um, town officials. One thing is that uh, 
the town legislative council passed a resolution last November, which the mayor signed in uh, at the beginning of December, uh, specifically expressing support for um, the public use of, of this land and in, in uh, consistent with the community's vision for the, for the use of it. And, um, you know, the, the resolution was about working to ensure that Deep and Olin did their parts to um, move forward as quickly as possible. In other words, more quickly than they've done for most of the last 40 years. Um, to, to move forward with the process of completing the work that's in the consent order. One, one of the things that we learned, I would say, last summer from DEEP is from the people in the DEEP Remediation Division is that they had, I don't know when they started doing this, but by about August, if not a little sooner, they had been meeting with um, officials at Olin monthly. And, right. uh, and Olin, as a result of the things that were asked of them by DEEP, had, um, was going to be preparing a, uh, what turns out to be called an investigation work plan, right. which means... Uh, what the specific plan is for going in and completing the, the testing that's necessary to determine how bad the stuff is that needs to get remediated and exactly what it is. And one of the things that's worth noting is that um, it wasn't until the mid-90s that Connecticut established um, stand remediation standards that are statewide for everything, and that actually has made uh, it much easier, theoretically, to reach decisions about remediation because you don't have to negotiate about each and every awful chemical. Um, and, and it's been one of the things that apparently was in contention before was Olin was saying, we don't have to remediate the whole property and we don't have to remediate to the current standards. But that those things have been resolved, in my understanding. Mm -hmm. And so... It's very clear that the newer, stronger standards than what existed at the time of the um, of the consent order in 1987 are what's going to happen. So they submitted a a, a work invest an investigation work plan. We learned in early March um, at a meeting that included um, Mayor Garrett and included um, two people in, in the deep remediation uh, division that. Um, some of who have been involved in the neighborhood cleanup as well, that um, DEEP had approved that plan and that the work of completing the testing and evaluation is supposed to start very soon in, and is slated for spring and summer. We're already in spring. Okay. And so that'll be like the most action anybody's seen on the site in terms of trying to um, complete the data gathering part of the exercise uh, for you know decades and uh, once that information is all collected and deep has said they're satisfied with it because they can say you need to do additional testing um, then it'll be t time to develop a remediation plan which is really technically up to Olin and so it's also the time in the next six months for the community to put pressure on Olin and on Deep and on the mayor to engage in a 
productive discussion about how people envision this land being used in the future. Because a lot of people care about it and they're interested in it. But technically, Olin owns the property. It's up to them mm -hmm. to decide what the end use is. And if they say it's going to be industrial or commercial, even though it's like 80% water, um, then nobody really has any standing to uh, change that, technically. But people can make their, will, their wishes known. Yeah. Now, I, I know Hamden people love their trees. Uh, <laughs> former Speaker Sharkey can uh, attest to that. Uh, I, if, if I was to wager the Lorax story, Dr. Seuss probably got it from coming to Hamden. <laughs> um, you know, well, what are some of the, the, the hopes that you've heard for the property? in terms of what it could be? I, I don't think that has um, been clearly flushed out yet. Mm. And one of the reasons that we need to have community involvement is to try to get the community to be, become a part of whatever the final use will be. Mm. The community to determine or play a role in determining what the final use will be. So that is the reason we are planning a series of meetings in the community mm -hmm. to get input from the community to come up with the final use of okay. the property. I So I think once we have the first meeting we're going to and we'd like to invite everyone all of the uh, politicians the um representative the senators mm. um the business people um and the community of hope then we will get a sense that people understand what it is that we are what our goals are and then also gather input from the community mm. in order to come up with the proper in use of the property. Yeah. So we at this point we don't know that yet, but I I think it's vital that mm. we at least in the next few months be able to say to Olden and to Deep that this is what we would like to, uh, uh, well, this is the use that we would like to have the property um, remediated to this particular standards or that particular standards. Uh, I would like it to be a residential uh, standard mm -hmm. that is the highest standards, uh, whether that's uh, totally residential or a portion of the property would be less uh, meaning that it could be for commercial use or but at least residential for the most part mm. and those standards will be up to date not the old from the old standards they will be up to today's 
today's standards, not <laughs> 1952 standards. Uh, everything will be up to the new regulation of DEEP. So I'm just looking at the text that's in the resolution that was passed by the town council because um, there was a lot of um, public comment in favor of this resolution. Mm. Um, letters that came in, I think particularly residents of the Whitney Center uh, were, were very supportive of the land continuing to be used in a natural state. Um, one of our committee members looks hey. has a, is, lives in an apartment in the Whitney Center that looks out over this land. Hey. And, uh, you know, so he's reminded every day of how beautiful it is, how peaceful it is, like seeing the birds and all that, and um, really wants the fence to come down while he's still alive, honestly. <laughs> you know, he's an older guy. And um, so the, um, one of the things that was resolved in this resolu resolution was um, that the town would work mayor and the administration would work to ensure that DEEP requires an appropriate remedial action by Olin that achieves maximum flexibility for the reuse of the property, mm. including recreation, and to ensure protection of the environmental, of the environment, natural resources, and public and human health and safety. And so what Elizabeth just said with regard to the residential standard, that is the highest standard, so that would be the standard that would uh, be consistent with having the maximum flexibility about the reuse of the property. Mm -hmm. It's really not likely that you can build very much on the property. There's a section in the southwestern corner that's um, high enough above the, the water table that it could be built on. It also happens to be the most contaminated section of the property. So. Oh. Um, it would, if somebody wanted to build housing there, it would need to be remediated to a um, residential standard. And I'm not sure that there's, that there's really many other uses, like a commercial use, that um, it would make sense to build there. Mm -hmm. Hasn't been done yet, so. For those of y'all who are just joining us, you're listening to Just In Time Conversations, WNHH. FM 103.5. Our guests today, Elizabeth Hayes, Sue McDonald, talking about the Olin Powder Farm. Um, you know, uh, where can people, you know, learn more about what's going on um, and, and, you know, get connected? Well, we have a website. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is sixlakespark.org, and the six is spelled out. And it's the website for the Six Lakes Park Coalition, which is uh, also an organization that is growing. So if you belong to an organization that you think would like to join up and support the coalition, uh, there are ways on the site to communicate that. You can also sign up for uh, getting regular news and newsletters and announcements about different things and there's information about people and organizations who are involved a little bit of the history one of the things that i really like on it is there's a video that's an aerial uh mm. view of, of the um of the park of the site the future park i hope 
but you know, it's less than a minute long, but man, is it beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so if people want to get involved, that's also a place where they could uh, possibly do that. Yes, I think about the first thing you see there is want to want to stay involved, want to learn more, sign up to get our newsletter. Great. Uh, how, um, you know, this property has been here for 50-some years. Um, I know Southern Hamden, right, um, there are a lot, there's not many trees. I, I know that uh, Asman Reeds are high, um, but, you know, what could you know, public space do for this community? First of all, it would increase the value of the property, of all the property in the uh, nearby communities. Mm. Um, It would allow the community to have access. Uh, they could go to the park and experience, get a mental, spiritual experience, or just experience the natural environment of the park. I don't know. I. It was said that they were going to do some dredging. I don't know if that will be to the point where you could actually take a dip in the water. I'm not sure, but that is a possibility. Mm. Um, Even um, churches, I don't know if they still do baptism. They still dip in the water, but that's possible (laughs) from from a religious perspective. Um, But in... In monetary term and in economics term, I think it will increase the value of the uh, properties in the area. Uh, I think that's economically and monetarily. Uh, it would do that. That would be a great um, asset to enhance the community, um, the viability of the community. I think also it's really important to be aware that if this, that one of the virtues of this land being used for parkland is that it's, um, it's in a very densely populated area, it's surrounded by a very densely populated area, and um, you know you don't need a car to get to it. You can get there on bus lines. You can mm-hmm. walk. You can ride your bike. There's a bike trail that goes right by it. Um, it's it's centrally located in the southern part of Hamden. Uh, and it's really the only parkland there, and I, I, that's uh, that's in this kind of natural state. You know, every time I get in my car and drive to Sleeping Giant to go <laughs> hike there, I think this is a long drive to be able. To, I mean, it's a beautiful pl- park. It's a beautiful place to hike. Lots of people go there. It's wonderful, but it's not easy to get to if you don't have a car. And and uh, one of the things that I think would benefit. Certainly the neighbors who live nearby, but really everybody in Hamden and in New Haven, because it's not that far from the New Haven line, um, it's just easier to get to. 
than um, some of the the similar kinds of parks in in our area. The um, I'm thinking about other potential users of the park, and there are um, schools in the area. There's some schools on Leader Hill Drive, and about 20 years ago, um, if in a class uh, at the what was then called the Yale School of Forestry and is now the Yale School of the Environment, uh, there was a, a student group that did a project on planning for turning this property into a park. And one of the things that they did as part of their survey was to identify um, potential institutional users and educational opportunities. Hey. And it's actually worth mentioning that um, sometime in the past 40 years, I don't think it's in the last 10 years, but I really don't know exactly when it stopped, Olin actually periodically made the park accessible for the purpose of nature walks oh, wow. that were organized by and led by, as I understand it, the Hamden Land Conservation Trust. And there was an agreement to do that on a, on a periodic and regular basis. At some point, that stopped. I don't know when it stopped, but there are people that we've talked to who have gone on those walks and mm-hmm. really appreciated it. And um, so people, you know, in the ideal world, people can go walk by themselves or if they'd like to have a, you know, a docent teaching them something about nature, you know, we'd have the opportunity for those kinds of things to be organized for people of all ages. Mm. Well, I, I definitely appreciate the conversation uh, as we come towards the end of our time. I always, uh, my favorite question to always ask people is, you know, you know, uh, how do we connect with y'all? So plug in where we connect with y'all again. You mentioned the website, and my favorite thing is asking people about, you know, what's their favorite song or a song that connects to the movement. Uh, I'm really campy in the sense that I love to connect and ground what we talk about with something that people can bring with them. So, do y'all have... Favorite I, song? I have a short answer, and I'm looking forward to Elizabeth's answer because we actually <laughs> talked about this before we went on air. So the song that came to mind um, for me is uh, a Woody Guthrie song, This Land is Your Land, hey. This Land is My Land. Oh, wow. To be open to everybody. <laughs> well, um, as Sue said earlier, uh, we were discussing the the title of our favorite song. and Mine is America the Beautiful by Ray Charles. Mm. I like his rendition of that song. And to me, it encapsulates the whole uh, feel or the environment of the park, Six Lakes Park, that you can go there and be in an oasis, mm. you can do, uh, you can visualize, you can dream, mm. um, meditate. There's so much you can do as being a part of, you have the natural and the physical, you could be, become one in the environment of Six Lakes. Wow, now that, yeah, 
y'all ha- have beautiful pairing messages i uh um thank y'all so so much uh for for being on sue mcdonald elizabeth hayes uh six lakes uh coalition um for those of y'all uh thank y'all so much for joining and being in community with us on just in time conversations until next time let us continue to plant the seeds of change uh so we can grow together Traveling man, moving through places, places.